Hey, everybody. Welcome to the DBIP Group Innovators Live Q&A show with Amir and Victoria, bringing you guys answers to common intellectual property questions Monday through Friday every morning. We are uh, on episode 38. We've been doing going super strong uh, every single day of the week. I think we only missed like one or two days in the past couple months. Um, if you guys have any questions related to intellectual property, send them Victoria's way. Uh, I know a lot of you are going to have questions to come up with the patents, trademarks, whatnot. And uh, also, we have a community number as well. So please join our text community. I think uh, Victoria can throw that up as well. You can text us at 415-943-5193. Again, 415-943-5193. Get direct access to me. Um, I will I will respond to your text messages if you text me, if you text that number. Um, so we've been doing a series of, of shows related to how you actually go about filing a trademark application on your clothing brand. Um, we From start to finish, we've got brought you content around the TS Plus, the TS Standard, and uh, individual and, and corporate. Um, now, in the past, we've been doing uh, intent-to-use applications. So that means the company or person hasn't yet secured the uh, started selling with the brand name, but wants to secure the brand name before they start investing in all the marketing. Uh, those are called Section 1B applications, or otherwise known as intent to use applications. They're the same cost as actual use applications and undergo the same initial examination procedure. Um, but sometimes you already may have already have the had the market, the goods on the market or services on the market, and now it's time to. Just go straight forward with a 1A application. Um, so that's sort of that's going to be the the objective of the next series of, of shows that we do. Um, so again, this is a Q&A show. We always start the same way. I've kind of uh, not to take Victoria's thunder, but uh, she always tells us yesterday's question, which would have been last Friday's question of the day, uh, and then we jump into today's question. So I think uh, in keeping with that tradition, uh, Victoria, why don't you tell us about what happened uh, last? Uh, la well, I guess last week. Yeah, last week um, we covered how can my company protect my logo for our clothing brand. Awesome. Yeah, and we went to through what I believe was the the uh, TS standard application. Yeah. So again, fifty dollars more, a little more expensive than the TS Plus, um, but you get full latitude. So uh, it was Friday the day that we did the pet. Pet costumes? Can't remember. No, that was another time. Uh, okay, so. Okay, okay, all right. Uh, so Victoria, why don't you tell us about today's question? Today's question is how can my company protect our face mask brand? Awesome, let's get to it. So um, what I wanna, what I want to do in this episode, so let's let let's do an intent to use, sorry, actual use application, um, and and what we're gonna do is is I'm gonna I'm gonna share my screen real quick, um, so that you guys can see what I'm doing. Uh, let me. Um, so I have a sample site here that I'm that I'm showing you guys. Um, 
Victoria, if I show these, are they only going to appear on these various on these platforms, or I wonder? We'll find out. Um, anyways, I'm gonna share my screen here. I think they appear everywhere. It's just ah, showing okay. where it's happening. Okay. So let's go to, to this site. Awesome. So here you see our fancy face masks, um, selling them for $5. Um, you see, Victoria, there was an economist post about how the value of the mask was $58. That was the, 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 did you, did you hear about this? I haven't. Uh, this is the, this is like what they, they determined was like the value of a face mask to society. If everyone wore one, it would be around $58. Um, wow. anyways, so, uh, we, we are selling in our, in our hypothetical trademark application, we are selling the DBIP group face masks and they're available from this site here. Um, this actually is a live site, so please feel free to buy some face masks. Um, if you buy one, I'll send you five. Um, I realize that's on tape and on the record, um, but it's most likely, <laughs> unless I run out, it's probably the truth. I'll, I, I like I give these away, um, uh, but it's fun to also have a, a front-facing storefront. Um, so, but really, the point the point of this is to is to just demonstrate to you guys a couple of really 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 important things when you're when you're selecting your specimen because that's really going to be one of the areas where you'll probably mess up if you do this yourself. So remember. A specimen is actual proof that you're using the mark in commerce to sell goods. Okay, so I'll give you guys like with a real quick, a real really awesome tip. Um, this is, I guess, also my personal hot take, um, but it, it's been tried and true, and it's worked out pretty well in the past for us. If you have an add to cart button or some very blatantly clear method of purchasing a good or service, and you have it next to the the good like an image, um, and then the mark appears next to it. So for example, here, here's the mark. So we're going to, so the mark that we're going to pursue is a DBIP group. Um, and then the good is, is shown on the right and it's also described below. And then it's right next to an add to cart button. So it's all contained. It's all right there. Um, that that's going to give you the highest likelihood of succeeding, uh, with a specimen that shows the goods. Now there's, there's a second place where the specimen appears on the goods. Um, it's kind of obvious. Victoria, do you want to guess what, what, what I'm referring to on here? Um, I'm not sure. Well, the, the good itself, like the good itself, oh, okay. the itself has a label, right? Oh, um, right. Okay. Now, yeah. So what's interesting, what's interesting about the label though, is that it's on the, it's on the front of the, of the, the good, but it's, out to the side, right? Now, the the risk that we run whenever we have the the mark itself directly on the front of a good, especially like a t-shirt or a hoodie or a beanie, um, you have to be careful because these are ripe for for decorative. The, the treatment will basically say that it's just decorative. Uh, it's not it's not operating as a source identifier. And so therefore your specimen could be rejected. So really what I'm relying on here is the fact that it shows up here, it shows up here at the top. Um, and then as backup, it's also on the good and it's more of a label. 
Um, and so what, what we'll do actually in the description of the goods, sorry, description of the specimen, which is required in a Section 1A application, is we'll actually say that uh, the mark itself also has a label affixed to the goods, and that label has the mark. Um, so, yeah, so let's let's roll with that. Um, let's let's get started. It, it's again, if you if you forgot the site, you can always just Google. You can just Google USPTO file and trademark. It'll be one of the top hits. Um, in fact, I have it up here, but just just again for the purposes of oh oh whoops. Uh, for the purposes of explanation, uh, let's just, whoops, uh, how do I get to Google? Google.com, there we go. So let's just search trademark USPTO application. And when we do a search, you'll see it's, it's literally the very first hit after the ads. Um, so again, uh, when you click start your application in TS, um, it, so it's going to take you to this page here, but remember that's only because I've already logged in to USPTO.gov. Uh, Victoria made a USPTO.gov last week, I believe. Pretty easy, right, Victoria? Yes. Doesn't take long at all. Um, no. Now, now remember, we're going to do this. We're going to do the. So let's do the plus application today, um, and we actually might discover how limiting how limiting the plus is whenever we're trying to select our good because our good is kind of unusual. Uh, I mean, it's not now unusual, but if you ask someone, you know, eight months ago if they had a face mask, I mean, I would have told, I would have said no. Uh, Victoria, did, if I had asked you eight months ago if you had a face mask, would that no. sort of been, yeah, no, exactly right, okay. So, so this is again, this is in keeping with with the concept of well, really, just go with the standard. You get you have so much more latitude. Again, we're gonna we're gonna have the, an attorney do it. Um, let's do let's do a company. So let's let's start out with company. Um, so again, let's continue. So we're gonna continue. We're gonna press standard. We're gonna save that fifty bucks. Um, all right. So the owner of the mark. Let's do. Let's do. We're gonna just do our our company here, just for purposes of this example. Again, when you select corporation, you're gonna have to indicate the state that the company was formed in. So in this case, it'd be California. And our mailing address is. San Francisco. Nine four one zero three. Okay, cool. And, and here, this part, you're gonna have to put in your email address. Now, this is actually required now. Um, you didn't before have to provide this email um, and website address. Let's just do our main address. Um, that's actually not required, um, but. It's nice to have it if if you if you happen to have it. Um, add add the add the, the website address. Um, all right, so let me just copy that over. I like to add the exact address. Okay, so when I hit continue, it's going to give me a warning. It's going to say, "Hey, you didn't enter your phone number correctly." That's okay. Um, I like to keep my phone number off of items as much as I can, just like the rest of the general public. Um, when you hit continue, um, now this is the part where we have to enter in our, our uh, our mark. So we're just going to do a DBIP group now. Uh, tomorrow we can do, I think it shows up in all caps. So it's, let's be careful. Let's be precise. So actually, no, it's not all caps on the goods. So let's just, we'll, we'll just spell it out this way. Then we'll hit continue. 
if you want to see what it looks like, you can click the preview button. Um, now, this is the part where we have to add the goods and services once we hit next. Now, again, I remind you, this is the plus application. So we're quite limited in terms of what we can actually um, use to identify the goods. So here's the choose the test. We'll see. This is this whole episode might be a, a flop. We might have to give up and and go back to uh, yeah. So this is what we're stuck with, guys, right here. Um, so knit face masks being headwear. I feel like this is extremely limiting. Thing that I know for you guys to understand face used as protective they're probably going to be under class nine and those related to to health are gonna be under class 10 that's kind of what you're seeing here see here protective face masks for the prevention of accident or injury that'd be class nine and then face masks for dental or health care providers we're looking at class 10 so just keep that in mind uh, in this case these are really more about um, uh, headwear uh, it, it's. I, I think that's a bit of a stretch, and I mean, obviously, I'm sure some viewers would disagree and would would debate with me that that they're also protective or that they're possibly considered medical. Um, but really, I think for the purposes of this and for the purposes of how it's marketed, even uh, it's not really meant to be a protective or or use in a medical setting. It's it's meant to comply with certain local ordinances, and um, really, it's just it's a it's a knit face mask. So this is the most appropriate. Now, if this wasn't here though, that would be a huge tell. Uh, I I frank I personally don't like this description. I probably would have just wanted something more like face masks. Um, and then if the examiner had an issue with it, we could duke it out. But the point is, is that that's not even an option with a TS Plus. So we're paying one twenty five, but now we're stuck with this very very what I think is very narrow and limiting description of headwear. So that's something to think about whenever you guys are doing these uh, applications on your own. So we're going to do Section 1A this time. And this is new. We haven't done a Section 1A application together, uh, but we're doing it today. Uh, so we're going to have to attach a specimen. Now, uh, I created one before the show. Let me make sure I can find it. Uh, but I created it for us. Um, and just, just so it's clear, um, I, well, I want to just go back real quick. So here's what, here's what I did to, to create the specimen. I literally just took a screenshot um, of, of our page, okay? Um, now, the one thing that you have to remember, there's two, there's two important things that were changed around February of this year. The trademark office started requiring that along with the specimen, of a, if it's a screenshot of a website, you actually have to also indicate the URL and the date that you downloaded or took the screenshot of that URL. So I did this this morning, so we're gonna say today's the date and I already have the web, the URL shown there. So um, let's go ahead and upload the specimen. So I'm gonna pick the file and once I select it, I'll have the opportunity. Oh, oh and PDF by the way, make sure you PDF it. Uh, I think PDFs work out the best, so I attach. So now we have an attached specimen, and uh, you, you you could do J, do JPEG by the way, but I, I personally like to do PDFs. So then we're gonna okay. So now it's attached, it's uploaded, and we can return to form. And when we return to the form, we'll see that it's you see one file attached. So that's how you know that you've in fact successfully attached your specimen. Now the description of specimen. So in this case, it's we're gonna say ah see. 
here's the here's the new this was new here that they, they didn't have this a few months ago they didn't have this language but this was added later so the description of the specimen is just going to be a screenshot of a web page and then I I personally this is my the way I personally like to do it um, I like to do it this way because it's super clear so it's a screenshot of a web page and then you input the URL right there and you say um, showing the mark you can say the applied for mark used in commerce sell the identified goods and then you could also say so it's a screenshot and then you can also say the screenshot includes an image showing the goods with a label having or bearing the mark affixed to the goods. And again, that that is the second use of the mark here that Victoria identified for us earlier. So it's here's the label and it's actually affixed to the good itself. So it, if this is doesn't if the examiner doesn't buy this bit or doesn't like this bit, then at least we have this to rely on over down here. So now, th there are two really important dates that you have to have for every Section 1A application. That is the date you first use the mark anywhere and the date that you first use the mark in commerce. Uh, so for the, for, for the purposes of this, uh, I'm going to say the date of first use anywhere. Let's just say uh, January 6th of 2020. We launched this. Um, let's say I don't... So you have to know for sure. Okay, so let's just say... Let's assume that we know for sure. Uh, let's just do 4-15-2020, good old tax day. And the date that you first use, use in commerce, um, this is a, 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 I wouldn't call it a gray area, uh, but it's an area where a lot of people make, make mistakes and don't quite fully understand. Um, but let's talk about it. Uh, to be used in commerce, you have to have a sale that involves another state. So what I generally recommend people do is they identify the date that they first have proof that they sold one of their goods to an out-of-state resident. So we're based here in California. So the first day that we sold, let's just say in Oregon, in this case, let's say it was 4-15-2020. So that's where I would get this date here. Now in the application, you're not going to have to provide proof of that. And even when it gets examined before the trademark examiner, the trademark examiner is not going to request proof of that. Uh, and if they do, I mean, that'd be, I, I've never heard of that happening. I think it'd be a really strange anomaly. But the reason why I say that you should have the record is because if this ever gets litigated, if someone ever tries to prove that you didn't, in fact, have a use in commerce on that day, it's nice to have that receipt handy. Super nice, super convenient. You don't want to have to go and drum it up five years later. Uh, that'd be really stressful, especially especially knowing that you're in active controversy. It's always better to have the proof ready now. Uh, I actually request it from my clients just so that I can put it in their file. It's, it's nice and really nice thing to have. So once we click assign filing basis, we've basically done all the hard work. Um, oh, I, did I enter the dates wrong? Oh, I sorry. I didn't. So it's got to be two digit, two digit, four digit. So I missed the, the second digit. But on here too. But once we hit assign filing basis, we're uh, a color specimen. So technically this is a color specimen. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna just leave it blank. Um, so now 
now what will happen is, is we'll be asked to enter our correspondence information. It's just uh, loading here. Is my Wi-Fi doing weird stuff, Victoria? A little bit, but it's okay. Okay. So we get this strange error. Um, this happens sometimes. Uh, again, this is just a description. So if the description field is in fact an issue, uh, the examiner is going to ask you to modify it and fix it. So not a big deal. Anyways, uh, here's again showing us so we have knit face masks being headwear. We're filing under section 1A. So that means that we're already selling the mark in commerce. Um, this again is start to finish video on how you can file a trademark application for your company on face masks that you're already selling. So we're going to hit continue. And here we get to input our correspondence information or our, our just our, yeah, our contact information like our email. So I'm, I'm making up a docket number. You can, if you only have one case, the docket number isn't as important because you're going to know when you get a correspondence what it's referring to. Uh, we have a lot, obviously we have a lot of clients and so we need to use docket numbers to keep track of everything. So I'm going to put Victoria's email here, but just know if you have an assistant, someone that helps you, someone that, that's on your team, a partner maybe, or a, you have some, an employee, you might want to add their email addresses here. This just makes sure that they also will get correspondence from the trademark office. It'll just help your entire team know what's going on. And uh, in case you, for some reason, miss the email, your other team member won't miss it or, or, or is more likely to, to bring it to your attention. So we're going to hit continue. Um, and now we're almost done with this trademark application. Now, remember, this is a TS Plus application, so it's it's 225 instead of the regular 275. So we're saving 50 bucks, but we also have that very narrow and limiting language uh, for the description of goods. So just keep that in mind. Now, I'm gonna sign directly real quick. The the first checkbox is just saying that, that you understand that you're filing under section 1A. So that means that you're actually already using the mark to sell the goods. So I'm gonna check it. Uh, in past episodes, we've done a lot of section 1B applications. So you guys are, probably already familiar with this language, uh, but this is a 1A application. This is just saying that there, that to our belief, we have an op, we have a right to use this mark in commerce. The third is saying that there's evidentiary support. So in this case, the evidentiary support would be, well, here's the proof, here's we actually have our, our good out on the market. And the last checkbox is saying that we understand we're signing, on, signing under penalty of perjury. So if we lie, we could be subject to fine or imprisonment. Now, signing again, it just, you put your name between slashes if, if I didn't put my name between slashes here, I, I would make it super easy for you to sign. Uh, date signed, they automatically autofill today's date. And then my name, I'm going to uh, just type out my name. And it has to be last name, first name, initial. And then my position, I'm technically the president. And then my phone number, which let's just use that. Okay, cool. So once I click validate, we're done. I, basically, we'll get to a, this final page here. And now we have the option uh, of submitting or saving the form or, uh, or going back to review it. So what I always recommend everybody do, make sure that you click the input button, make sure you read through the application, make sure everything is correct. Um, I've stressed this many, many times, um, but the mark itself, you can never change. So this mark here, the literal element of our mark, you cannot change this after you submit. So after you submit, you're stuck with that. If you if you misspell the name or if you feel like, oh, actually, I want to, the mark should have been spelled this way, you can't change that. So you got to get it right now when you're filing. Uh, so again, 
this is our the corporation. This is where it was incorporated. This is the corporate information, the address. And then as we scroll down, we're going to see a lot more information here in the password section 1B applications. We didn't see all this information. But this is a section 1A, so we're actually using the mark in commerce. This is the first date of use anywhere. Uh, for the first date of use anywhere, I usually recommend people use the date they first bought the domain name or, or created their or launched their website. Uh, the date of first use in commerce, though, for goods, I highly recommend that you use the date that you first sold the good or one good to an out-of-state resident. So if you have a sale to Oregon, Texas, that, that would be the, that first very first day that you have an out-of-state sale. That's the date that I would use for first use in commerce. Um, and save the proof of that, save the receipt, just have it handy in case there's ever controversy around this. You don't want to be in a situation where you're fumbling, looking for it. It can be very, very stressful. Do it now. Uh, save that date, save that proof, store it away. If, you, if you're having an attorney do this here with your attorney, just, just make sure you, you keep copies of that. Um, the specimen, okay, so this is, I'm going to link, I'm going to click on the specimen on another page. But basically, if I were to click this link, uh, it would pop up a window. Let, let me just click on it. Yeah, so you guys can't see it, but it would pop up a window actually showing the specimen that I'm going to submit. And then the, the specimen description, again, we, we pointed out that the mark appeared in two places. Um, and I just realized, Victoria, I, I screwed up. I didn't put the date that I downloaded it. So this is actually a good example. If you realize during the application that you made a mistake, you can actually go back really easily and fix that. So we're going to go ahead and do that now. Um, and again, it's really easy. You just click go back to modify. The one really good thing about the system they have is that they store the session. So you, when I go forward, it, it's, it's going to have all the same information that I had before. So they make it really, really easy for you guys to, to make changes. So here, um, so it's going to be a screenshot of a web page showing the applied for a mark. Uh, let's just downloaded on, or actually it's a screenshot. So let's just say taken, taken on and today's date, August 24, 2020. That shows, there we go. Yeah. Screenshot of a web page taken on August 24, 2020 that shows the applied for a mark used in commerce to sell identified goods. Okay. I think it's funny that I messed that up, um, especially since it says right down below and how I, I was stressing the fact that it's really important. Um, but these, these things happen. Anyways, we're going to click assign filing basis. Um, and once we do that, again, we're going to be able to just continue and skip through, just hit continue. We can skip through till we once we get to the very end again. So uh, just to do the final check, we're going to click input. Uh, we're going to do the final review of the application. And as you can see, this has been updated. So now it has the date. Screenshot of web page taken on August 24, 2020 that shows the applied for a mark used in commerce to sell the identified goods. So now we're good. Now we're in business. Um, and I added this sentence just to show that it's, it, hey, look, examiner, it also shows up on, there's a photograph of the actual good and the label has the mark uh, and it's affixed to the goods. So in case the examiner has an issue with the screenshot, at least they have another image of the actual good itself. And again, uh, this is Victoria's contact. This is my contact. And if you had put other email addresses earlier, they would all show up here as well. Again, TS Plus, so we're saving 50 bucks. And this all looks good to me. So I'm going to go ahead and, and submit. Uh, let's look at the mark. This is how the mark was going to show up in the register. And then let's see the specimen. Um, Um, but it's actually going to link to the, to the specimen. 
Um, but I want to just uh, show you guys real quick. Boy, I'm having uh, Wi-Fi issues this morning. I'm sorry, Victoria. Um, again, if I were to click this button, it would take me to a PDF that actually shows the specimen. Um, I can tr see if I can try to... Uh, I'm not sure that I showed you guys the specimen itself, uh, but it was literally just a screenshot of that web page. Um, so the application is good to go. Uh, if you guys wanted to save this form, you can save it. Just click Save Form. It'll, it'll download what's called a .obj file. That .obj file can then be used to uh, complete the application tomorrow. So you can download it, and then at the very beginning when you go and log in tomorrow, you can upload it, and it'll have saved all your session information, your specimen, everything. So it's a really convenient way. If you're not entirely sure that you're ready to file today, just save the .obj file and file tomorrow. Now, again, this final checkbox is just saying no refunds. Once you submit, that's it. If you misspelled the mark, if you, for some reason, if, if it should have been all caps, if you want it to appear in all caps, um, now's the time to fix that. Because if I submit and then realize it was, it's wrong, you got to go back and pay another 225. So make sure that this is in fact what you want to submit to the trademark office. So I think that's everything. Application looks good to go. We're going to click uh, pay submit and it's going to take us to a payment page. Okay. Now, once we get to the payment page, all we have to do now is submit our credit card information and our application will be submitted once we hit the submit submit payment. Okay. Now, uh, one thing that I want to make sure that's clear, once I hit pay submit here, um, I'm going to get an email and that email is going to have the serial number of my application. Okay. That's Serial number is going to be tied to the application throughout the entire process. So I'll be able to check the status of the application uh, before and even after it gets registered as a mark, um, I'm going to be able to track it. And so will, so will my team members. As long as you have that serial number, anybody with that serial number is going to be able to track the progress of it. So remember, trademark applications, even during their pendency, are public record. Okay, That's why I stress keep your, keep your telephone number off the application if you can. There's no reason to have, really have it there. Uh, most examiners are going to communicate with you over email. Now, again, just to recap, I just want to explain, <clears throat> make it really clear that this was a Section 1A application. So once this is examined by the trademark examiner, if the examiner approves the application, so if they, if they find that there's no other marks that are likely confusing on the register, if they accept our specimen, um, if they're cool with the entire application, then they will push the application forward to publication. And after the one month publication period, assuming nobody opposes registration of the mark, your mark, this application will turn into a federally registered trademark. So it will be registered on the principal register. This is different from the prior episodes where we did what are called Section 1A applications. So again, Section 1A applications also referred to as intent to use applications are applications on trademarks that aren't yet presently used in commerce, but you want to use them. So in those applications, after the publication stage, so there's examination, if the exam, examiner's cool with it, they publish it. And then after publication, for an intent to use application, you'll get what is called a, a notice of allowance, okay? And the notice of allowance, after you get that, then you have to submit this proof of use in what's called a statement of use. Now, uh, that statement of use is, is actually the same Thing that we submitted in this application just now this morning, right? So it's the actual screenshot of the web page along with the date of access and the date that you uh, and the URL and the date that you first used it and first used it in commerce. So 
you can almost think of a Section 1A application as including everything in the 1B, but you also submit the proof of actual use and the dates that you first use it to sell. So I just want to clarify that. And so these next few episodes, we're going to be covering actual use applications, showing you start to finish how to do the TS Plus, TS Standard um, for both company, individual, on logo, and wordmark. So today we did wordmark. Uh, tomorrow we'll, we can do the Section 1A, TS Standard. We'll have all that flexibility allowing us to describe our, our face masks with more liberty. So uh, thank you. This was episode 38, uh, Going Strong. If you guys have questions, please email them to victoria at dbip.com. Uh, we, we also were always looking for people to be on the show. But if, if your questions related to patents, trademarks, copyrights, trade secrets, just send them our way. We'll get them. Text. The text for some reason, Victoria. There you go. Thank you. 415-943-5193, 415-943-5193. Uh, text me directly. I will respond. Um, this is, these texts go directly to me. If you have questions, text them here, and I'll put them on the show. All right. This episode 38. Thank you so much, Victoria. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you tomorrow morning, again, Monday through Friday. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.